dearly detested. We are gathered here today for another recording of Perhaps It's You, an unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Samantha. And we just want to say hi to the five listeners and BD Wong out there. I, uh, I, <laughs> do you think he knows yet? I'm just manifesting. Hi, BD Wong. You know, I'm sure he doesn't, but I want to believe that he does. Uh, Travis and I watched Jurassic Park last night, uh-huh. and I forgot that P.D. Wong was in that. Oh yeah, uh-huh. and it was such a nice surprise. <laughs> I want to look. I want to see how he looks in it. I'm going to look that up right now. P.D. Wong, Jurassic Park, because he must be like pretty young. Okay, okay, yeah, I remember this. It's a young oh, P.D. Wong. I I enjoyed it. He's so cute. Um. Wow, I feel like we had so many updates and I didn't prepare for any of them. Oh, don't huh. worry, I have some updates. Okay, good. I Great, got you because I got you. I'm very unprepared, I just realized. I have at least probably the biggest update, which is that we have an update to a case we covered. I want to say it was season 1. Yeah, it was um, it was a while that, ago. That is the Dennis Perry case, which a lot of our listeners probably already know about. A lot has been happening with this case. This case was featured Dennis Perry's Dennis Perry's um, wrongful convin- conviction and investigation and appeals uh, have been featured on a number of different podcasts. At least the the undisclosed podcast for sure. Um, and if you don't remember the the case we're talking about is the murder of Harold and Thelma Swain who were murdered at a Bible study in Georgia. Um, Dennis Perry was convicted of those murders, even though he had a pretty airtight alibi. I think he was at work like miles miles away. There was also DNA evidence on some glasses that did not match him. Um, And if you will, if you remember, you might remember this case because those are the glasses that they sent to Unsolved Mysteries and Robert Stack held in his bare hands for the episode. He manhandled. For some reason, for some fucking reason, Unsolved Mysteries called the police department about this case and they were just like, oh yeah, sure, we'll we'll send you guys the actual evidence. Chain of custody? What's that? Never heard of her. Robert Stack holding those glasses did not help them solve this mystery in any way. He had his fingerprints and his DNA all over those glasses that he was just holding. Right, I, but, not to speak, speak ill of the dead, but stack. That was a real low point for this yeah. show. Yeah, uh, and not only that, there was the prescription didn't match Dennis Perry's prescription. Like there was, well, wasn't it clearly like his mother-in-law hated him or something? And like, it was like either his girlfriend's mom or his mother-in-law or someone identified him as the shooter and tipped off the police that seemed to lead them to him and then they just pursued him even though there was no evidence linking him to the crime and there was plenty of evidence that he didn't do it so he was released from prison a judge overturned his conviction the other thing about that case is that he took a deal to not get the death penalty so he took this deal to get life in prison in exchange for not getting the death potentially getting the death penalty which like lot like trapped him in prison yeah he couldn't make any appeals then Right, but the Georgia Innocence Project took on his case. I'm reading from an article. This is a local news website from CBS. Uh, 
Attorneys from the Georgia Innocence Project and co-counsel King and Spaulding presented crime scene evidence to a superior court judge uh, that ended up exonerating 58-year-old Dennis Perry in the killings of Deacon Harold Swain and his wife Thelma, as well as pointed the investigation to an alternate suspect. Uh, Not sure who that alternate suspect is, but hopefully... I mean, the other thing about this case is that while he's been sitting in prison for 20 years, the DA was convinced that he had done it. So Harold and Thelma Swain still haven't gotten justice. Um, so during a Bible study event on March 11th, a white man entered the Rising Daughter Baptist Church and shot the Swains. At the time, Perry, along with hundreds of other suspects and persons of interest, were interviewed during the investigation. Um, Perry's alibi was that he had been at work in Atlanta hundreds of miles away um, from Waverly, which is where the church was located. In 1988, Perry was cleared as a suspect despite conflicting witness testimonies and an anonymous tip that identified him as the gunman. Yet, 12 years later, in 2000, Perry was again interrogated by investigators who allegedly posed a hypothetical conversation in which Perry speculated why the murders may have occurred. With this interrogation recorded, his words were used as a confession, according to the Georgia Innocence Project. Wow. Three years later, Perry was convicted of the murders and sentenced to two life sentences. Now, 20 years later, the Georgia Innocence Project has successfully presented DNA that points the once uh, closed investigation to the unidentified alternate suspect. The suspect, now linked through DNA to the scene, has repeatedly, quote, bragged about committing the murders in the years since the crime occurred, according to oh the Oh, my Georgia God! <laughs> yes. Ugh! This is so, so frustrating. This DNA was discovered on the pair of glasses that were dropped at the scene. Perry's DNA was never linked to the glasses, and his vision uh, was a completely different prescription than those of the glasses. Um, basically, the Superior Court judge overturned his case. It's yet, like, they haven't dropped the case yet. So at this point, it, it's unclear if. What are they gonna going retry to retry him with? Retry him? I know. That's the thing. Just and he garbage. was released from prison on bail uh just i think two days ago we're recording this on saturday i think on thursday or friday he was released and you can see if you're on twitter you can go to the georgia innocence project and see pictures of him um leaving the prison it's it's really nice to this is some good news um for a case that i mean i remember when we covered this and how outraged we were because it's it's clear that he didn't do it (laughs) He's been in prison so, so long for nothing. 20 years. Which means yeah. whoever actually did it has just been going around bragging and ugh, everything yeah. about it is so frustrating. And Unsolved Mysteries, have they solved a lot of mysteries? Yes. Did they make this case even worse somehow? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, so that's the update on the Dennis Perry case. Stay tuned. I'm really hoping they drop the case against him. It seems like I feel they like be- they have- Absolutely no evidence to try him with. Everything no. has been thrown out. Is garbage. I mean, I mean, ugh. Ugh. they better not. Yeah, we'll go down really there. So. We'll go down there and we'll have a word. <laughs> I want to speak with the manager of justice. I'll say we need to have a word about Dennis Perry. No, he's got a lot of people on his side, so I think um, there's a good chance that he is free for good, which is really nice to see the other thing i wanted to just like read from this article that i found uh, about this ufo thing i admittedly i haven't been following this but did you see that the oh yeah that we just like make some of their ufo findings public 
And that apparently they have otherworldly ships yes. or something. Okay, so I pulled up this article from the New York Times. This year, this world is this year is so wild. No one cares. They're like, so we have <laughs> UFOs and we're gonna show them, and people are like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Weird. Cool story, bro. So, despite this is from the New York Times article on it, despite Pentagon statements that it disbanded a once covert program to investigate unidentified flying objects, the effort remains underway. Renamed and tucked inside the Office of Naval Intelligence, where officials continue to study mystifying encounters between military pilots and unidentified aerial vehicles. These are the videos that I think a lot of people have seen. Um, I don't know that anything has been like released, but they are going to make some of their findings public. And apparently they have like, I don't know, some other world ships or something. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool, I guess. If you're looking for some. I don't even know if it's good news, but just like not depressing news. There you go. U- <laughs> there UFOs, UFOs released. Maybe they'll make like an amusement park and we can all go. That's when I would be interested. Ooh, when UFO amusement park? If there was like, or at least like a photo op spot. Can we like go and like play with the UFOs? Can I get my picture taken sitting in a UFO? Then I'm interested. Ooh, yeah. That would be an amusement park I'd actually go to. Yeah, if there's, like, the Area 51 spot where you go and, like, eat, um, what are those little dot ice creams? Oh. Dippin' Dots. Um, Dippin' Dots. The ice cream of the future. You eat Dippin' Dots and you get, you know, you take some selfies with the UFOs and you buy, like, a Robbie Stacky of your own and, uh, stuff like that. Maybe there's, like, um, I don't know, it's still a whirl. <laughs> All alien themed rides, right? I don't. I guess I, something I've always wondered about is I guess I don't really understand what the government gains in hiding UFOs from us. Actually, I would be more interested in that question than the actual UFOs. Like, yeah. why did you bother putting these in like some secret underground bunker all this time? Why did you bother building the bunker? Why didn't you just go? So this is fucking weird. Could we get some scientists over here to look at this? Yeah, like, and then once you, why couldn't we know? And then once the scientists look at it, you put it in an amusement park and make some money. I don't know. I guess I just don't understand why they haven't done that. Yeah. Why isn't there like a branch of the Smithsonian that's like UFOs? You know? Right. I guess it doesn't have to be an amusement park. I guess it could be in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds not as exciting. But... So long as there are dipping dots. Okay. <laughs> that's the requirement. I'm sure that could be arranged. The ice cream of the future. Um. Yeah, actually, I would be more interested in that than the actual UFOs. Like, why did you? This seems like a lot of money that we could have spent on, like, literally anything else that you, for some <laughs> reason, spent on hiding UFOs. We couldn't have spent that on school lunch if you yeah, just like, admitted UFOs were real. Wouldn't that have saved us a ton us, of money? <laughs> clearly, us knowing about UFOs has really like not changed anything. So I, I think maybe we thought we would like lose our fucking minds, but. Clearly, no. Clearly, we have other stuff going on. So I don't think it was. Maybe that's why they just have finally given up. They're like, we thought people would just like, I don't know, riot. But it turns out they're rioting because we're really bad at this government stuff. So (laughs) we might as well just (laughs) admit there's UFOs. The Mulder was right all along. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. How will this change the the X-Files? That's the real question. (laughs) Getting back to our 
episode we released last week from the vault. Oh yeah, did you re-listen? I did. I did. And I, I didn't really remember it from before. I mean, I knew we did it, but it had been long enough that I kind of forgot what we said. I feel like I remember very few of our past episodes, and I don't know why. I mean, we do have quite a few episodes out, but I'll be like, I was trying to find the episode where we talked about the Harold and Thelma Swain case, and I was like scrolling through our past episodes, and I'm like, I don't there's remember just, any just... of them. Like, where did these episode titles come from? They're so <laughs> random, and I don't remember. <laughs> we just have too many at this point, and it's been too long, and I, I don't know. Our yeah. brain is full of too many, too much other information. I'm too distracted by Animal Crossing to remember all these things. Okay, so I, I thought of two things I wanted to update, and then we can actually talk about Unsolved Mysteries. Okay. One was I wanted to thank everyone that bought a dog bandana or a face mask in our recent sale. Yes. Because we were able to donate $393.25 to the Hennepin County Library. So that went to their Justice for All funds to help rebuild libraries and also have some anti-racist programming in the libraries going forward and stuff like that. So we are very happy to give back to the libraries. That's actually where we got our start and recorded our first episode. So it seems like what we should do. So thanks to everyone who ordered something. Very appreciative. Remember, we would love to see your pets wearing their bandanas. Oh, that's actually a requirement. That's a requirement, buying a dog bandana. We have to see your pet. If you want to send us like a selfie of you wearing a mask, that'd be cool. Not required. We'd love to see it. Not required. But if you bought something for a pet, that is required. You can't get out of it. That's like a legally binding thing. We got to see it. We got to see it. Okay. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about was that my mom read the book Werewolf Smackdown. Okay, the most important update. <laughs> yeah, the most important update. If you're familiar with the show, if you've been listening for a while, you might know that my mom reads these like really random parent. Maybe they're not random. Maybe they are totally sensical paranormal romances and had read a bunch of books about werewolves. And I was trying to find some new books for her and sent her this book I didn't know anything about called Werewolf Smackdown. <laughs> because how can you resist that title okay so i don't want to ruin it in case you're gonna read it but main character not a werewolf he's a vampire shocking to me but he fights is... werewolves right so that's where the werewolves so the problem in. is there's like two rival factions of werewolves that are fighting and he's actually a vampire private detective and he gets like pulled into their drama so it's a i guess he's like avoiding the werewolf smackdown or is like somehow you know involved in the werewolves i just think it's such a bad title such a bad title but in a way it's so bad that i was like this used paper book yes my mom is getting it because i need to know what happens to werewolf smackdown she said okay she's i feel like she took this review a little seriously she was like not enough character development for me in (laughs) werewolf smackdown Uh, but she did think it would be good for like young adult readers she only recently retired from teaching the seventh grade. She thought this would have been great for seventh grade readers. But for her, it was a lot of action, a lot of werewolf fights, and not enough, you know, melodrama. So I don't know that she's going to be a huge fan going forward. Something about the 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 
vampire private detective is like sleeping in a coffin in the mortuary, but the it has Wi-Fi in the coffin. Oh my god! The also having Wi-Fi was my favorite detail. I have to say. Okay, I think I have a detail you haven't heard. That's my oh. favorite detail, but it's gonna kind of spoil. Well, this is a tiny spoiler for Werewolf Smackdown. All right, if you're gonna read Werewolf Smackdown, make sure you fast forward. <laughs> Which you should. Who's it by? No idea. Um, there is a character, I believe, a werewolf gets killed with a giant statue of a blue crab. <laughs> Did you see that coming? No. You know those like what? giant statues, like seafood restaurants will have. <laughs> Like, okay, at one point, the vampire private detective sees the shadow of a crab and is like, whoa, gotta get out of the way. And it turns out it's a giant statue and it falls, I think, on a werewolf and kills them. (laughs) But obviously that has to relate to something. And it turns out the villains, like, run the company that makes the giant seafood restaurant statues, which seems so random to me. What? Who is this author? This is the most random (laughs) shit I've ever heard. I don't know. The company they run makes giant crab statues for seafood restaurants. Yes. And I don't even think this is in like, I don't, I'm not even sure it was like in the coast or, you know, I'm not even sure there would be that many crab restaurants. Like Missouri. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember where it took place, but it was not somewhere I associated with crabs, you know, like I didn't go, oh, that makes sense. They're in Baltimore. Oh, that makes sense. They're in, like, you know, Panama City Beach. No. It was just like, oh, they're in some fucking place. You know, getting crushed to death by blue crab sculptures. <laughs> so. Okay. Do we yeah. need to have a Werewolf Smackdown book club where we read? I don't know. Book? Okay, this is what my mom said. Finished where I just got this text. Actually, I was in a really bad mood. And then I got this text and it, like, turned my day around because it was just out of nowhere. Finished Werewolf Smackdown. It's about a vampire PI who tries to stay out of rival werewolf factions. He sleeps in a coffin with Wi-Fi access at a mortuary as his, quote, hotel. Book also has a diatribe about talking rings. Oh, yeah. There's, like, a whole thing about rings that talk. A lot seems to happen in this book and it's not that long. (laughs) Lots of actions and deaths. Oh, and I almost forgot about the gang of vampires out to kill him. So I think there's also a druid in this book. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's like there's like a group of creatures who want humans to know there's paranormal things and a group of creatures who don't and they're like fighting. Okay. Okay. But I don't really understand. Like one group is like, no, we need to tell humans they're just food. And I was like, why? Just eat them. Like, who, who cares why do we need to know that we're weak we're poorly organized we can't even wear masks like we're you're just your prey werewolves don't worry about it yeah humans aren't going around talking to cows telling them their food <laughs> you're our food accept it <laughs> okay okay werewolves back down um yeah that's amazing so, that's the update on that. I asked her if she wanted to record a little review for us, and she was like, yeah, no. But <laughs> she was not interested at all. But uh, I hope to be able to update you soon about the Stone Prince. Ooh, yes. Excited a book about, about a statue that comes to alive when kissed. You know, I kind of expect the Stone Prince to be exactly how I expect it to be. <laughs> but Werewolf Smackdown really surprised me. 
So. First of all, that the main character is not a werewolf. It's just it's it surprises around every turn that book. So you might want to check it out. Yeah. Does she give her books like a star rating? Does, is she on Goodreads? Is she should, rating? No. I she wonder be, what her, would like her rating 10, would be. She would have like ten thousand books on Goodreads. She would like rule Goodreads. She would kill iron those fist. yearly challenges for sure. She would. She's uh, reading like two of these books a day. I'm uh, curious, like, like what her rating of Werewolf she, she, would be. She didn't think it was for her, I guess. I don't know that she thought it was necessarily bad. She just thought it would be better for, like, younger people. Okay. okay. I don't know if that's, like, a read, but <laughs> she was like, I feel like I'm too old for Werewolf Smackdown. Not for these other hundreds of werewolf books, but Werewolf Smackdown. <laughs> I've aged out of this. Yeah. Too much action. I think not enough romance. Okay, okay. And werewolf smacked. <laughs> I like that we've been talking about this for quite a while. Okay, we're gonna get to unsolved mysteries now. We're on season five, episode sixteen, which you can find on the YouTube's. This is an episode that both entertained me and infuriated me. I don't know how you feel about it. <sighs> yeah, but... same. It's like it's got some very depressing moments. I, I cried. Some high points as well. I also cry. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 like a good episode of OG Unsolved Mysteries. It's a real mixed bag. Yeah, totally. But our first case is a UFO. Very exciting. Yeah, finally. This is the a UFO sighting in West Carleton, Ontario, Canada. That happened in August 1991. So around 10 p.m., Diane... Look, I can't pronounce names. I think it's Labanek? Labanek? Sure. Not sure. I'm fine with either. Uh, it's not Personally. like I watched this this morning and could have remembered how to say it. Uh, she had just put her children to bed, and her husband was out running an errand when the dogs began to howl. Diane went to the window to investigate, and what she saw, she could not really explain. She said, I looked out the window and I saw flames on the ground, which is not totally unusual for this area. She said that when the, the grass is really dry, they will have like brush fires, but she's seen a lot of them and they typically move. You will see the fire actually advance. She says the ground was really dry at this point, but this, these flames she saw were just in one localized area. So it wasn't like anything she had ever seen before. Um, this is how she described it. The fire was in one spot only. I saw Next, I saw a ship coming down close to the flames. Right on top of the ship, I saw a blue flashing light and another light was on the bottom. The light on the bottom was very bright. I didn't know what to do. I was looking at it for about 10 minutes or so. And then when the ship went a little bit back over the trees and disappeared, I saw that all the flames turn out at the same time. Um, she also says, I don't think I'd like to see it again. It was very scary. Yeah. This woman is, like, so polite and contained and almost, like, diplomatic, where she was like, I did not care for seeing this, and I would not like to see it again. Yeah, it was, like, a very, lot of- <laughs> very calm reaction to seeing a uh, extraterrestrial craft land in your backyard. No kidding. It lended her a lot of credibility, I think. Absolutely. She's very credible. So she decided that she would um, call the... Sh- So she considered calling the police, but she was worried about what they would think, which is valid. She says, what am I going to tell them? I'm going to tell them I saw flames out there past 10 o'clock at night and that there was a ship that came down and then the flames went away. (laughs) Right. What what am I supposed to say? Also, she has the like presence of mind to realize like that that's not super believable. Right. Which I think makes her even like more credible. 
Yeah, exactly. According to Diane, 10 minutes after the lights blinked out, a helicopter appeared and flew pretty low to the ground right over Diane's house and right where she saw the unexplained lights. It crisscrossed the area, passing over her house several times, and then it disappeared into the night. Uh, The next morning, she explored the empty field around her house, searching for evidence of the previous night's events. Um, She said there were no marks, there was no spots, there was no matches, there was no, like, you know, if if you saw flames on the ground, you would expect a big burned area, but there was nothing. Hmm. Um, She said, the only person that I told was my mom and my husband. It bothered me for a long time, but I didn't tell anyone. I would tell you, Samantha. Thank you. (laughs) I would tell probably all of our listeners. If I saw a UFO, I'd be like, we need to record an emergency episode. Probably. But then no one would believe us. They would be like, they're just doing this to promote their podcast. And we'd be like, actually, we're terrible at that. So no, we couldn't be bothered to make a fake UFO story to promote this podcast. It's really true. It's really true. So because she didn't find any evidence of it, she was afraid that people were just going to think she was crazy. So she didn't tell anyone else. Um, In February 1992, six months after Diane's encounter, a package from Canada arrived at the office of Bob Ochslesser. Mm-hmm. that's not how you pronounce his name but again bad at pronunciations one of the foremost ufo researchers at the time the package had no return address and inside were secret military documents Picture okay no they were not no <laughs> boo no yeah at some point they're like okay i'm totally interrupting and like jumping ahead but at some point they're like well clearly these are not real military documents not even canadian documents and i was like Oh wait, I was supposed to think those were real documents because they look that, that so fake. That it's, never occurred to me once. It's like as fake as if you just like put military on top of your. You're like they're gonna believe this because it says military. They <laughs> you don't just look like real scrawl it in a magic marker. It's just like I put a giant maple leaf on the top. Obviously, that means it's a Canadian military document. And it's like no, it looks like you made that at Kinko's at three in the morning, just cutting and pasting shit. So on the label was the name Guardian, which is very mysterious. Uh, mm-hmm. It was accompanied by a finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? What is up? This is not the first time we've seen someone submit anonymous UFO things, but then include a fingerprint. I find that it's, so this is weird. Not the first time. It's very strange. Maybe it's the same person. <laughs> but Maybe guy- I should start doing that when we send out Patreon rewards. Just put like my little fingerprint, fingerprint on it, so you know it's legit. <laughs> It would make it seem like you were an enigma, like this guy says. Would it, or would it make it seem like I was slightly unhinged? Well, it's you know I, what? It's a fine line. You know what? So, true. This guy is interviewed for Unsolved Mysteries, and he says, Guardian to me was an enigma. Certainly nothing I had heard about in the UFO literature. So it was a mis- mystery starting from the scratch. Okay. At the time, <laughs> this guy we're was... So, we're like... UFOs are real, but also, what the fuck is this? <laughs> this, okay, this seems honestly kind of legit to me, but, I mean, this Guardian thing is not. But her sighting, to me, seems legit. and we'll, Yeah, no, I believe her. We'll I find the, all the Guardian stuff very, almost, like, annoying. I don't know. But, well, it's very silly. So at the time, he was unaware of Diane's sighting, but he later discovered that there was a video that accurately showed what she had reported seeing. The tape showed a cluster of brightly burning red flames. Um, okay, this their- ta- again, the quality of this footage, which we see on Unsolved Mysteries, is garbage. It's poor. 
it could it could be Christmas lights. I don't know. Like they, oh, you can see the reflection off the. I was like, can you? Because I can barely make out anything. It's real yeah. bad. It's I don't, crazy. I think it's, I, even my, even an old fogey like myself has forgotten how crusty and musty, like old camcorder footage used to be. We're used to things very high def, you know, very, very clear resolution. And this is like, what am I looking at? Is this yeah. like a, a, a toy, a fire truck in the dark? Like it could be anything. So Unsolved Mysteries goes on to describe what you can see in the tape, which is that to the right of the flames, there's hovering a dark disc-like object, which emits a bright glow from its underside. And then the object was uh-huh. caught by a rapidly strobing blue light. And you do see these lights, but that's about all you can see. You see you lights. You can't really make out definition. There's no scale. It so, could be any size. Yeah, who knows? So this was his quote. I got a sense initially that it was a real event occurring in a field as opposed to some prop set up in a room somewhere. I kind of had a sense I might be dealing with something that was potentially authentic. I don't know why, but okay. The map that was included in the package directed him to West Carleton, Ontario. He went there with UFO researcher Graham Lightfoot. When they interviewed Diane, she described exactly what was in the videotape that was sent by Guardian. Mm-hmm. She had not seen the tape before she described it, so that does lend a little bit of credibility to it. Um, Dr. Bruce Maccabee is a U.S. Navy physicist and photo analyst. He has also studied UFOs for years, and he says that it's one of the clearest videos I've seen that shows a structured object. How is that possible? I mean, it's, it's one just of the clearest a- videos he's seen. <laughs> I mean, that could be true, but it doesn't really mean that it's like ah, something It's also the only video he's seen. <laughs> the clearest and the foggiest. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, he claims that he can see, like, some reflections in it on, like, the body of the craft. I didn't see that at all. I just saw some lights, but, you know, anyway. He believes I- that the tape is not a fraud. I uh, mean, are, are lights real? Yes. So... In a way, in a way, it has to be authentic. It's authentically something. It's true. It is a videotape. Robert Stack holds a videotape in his hand. I really like that part, actually. We should get a screen part of that. It's just him holding, like, in the woods, a VHS and kind of, like, caressing it. Like, we have here (laughs) this tape. No, I didn't just grab off the shelf at a Goodwill. This has the footage. He seems like pumped about it, but also like he, I don't know, like he really wants us to notice his hands or something. I guess. So Dr. Maccabee ex- estimates that the object is 20 to 30 feet in diameter. I have no Based fucking idea how what? you could. <laughs> There's no Based reference point what? in the film at all. You can't like compare it to anything. I don't know. I, I estimate it's three inches by five inches. So <laughs> make of it what you will. He also is quoted as saying that it's too big to be a hoax. What? Yeah, based on his own estimate. I mean, people have used planes to hoax UFOs, so I don't know why the size of it, Ugh. 20 to 30 feet, would be too big. For, I don't know. That seems like a silly thing to assert, but whatever. Audio analysis of the tape revealed only the distant barking of dogs, which probably were <laughs> Diane's. <laughs> For some reason, that's so funny to me. Like, we analyzed this tape and dogs were barking. (laughs) Yeah. Couldn't be less helpful. 
It wasn't like where the did, where the did green men. Where did dogs bark? Oh, who knows? Could be anywhere. <laughs> the craft itself seemed to be silent. There was no audible trace of power, like a engine or anything like that. Um. Dr. Robert Nathan of NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory reviewed the tape in a non-official capacity. He could not explain the images or dismiss the tape as a hoax. Because you can't tell anything from this video. He was like, it's a tape, and I saw lights. Everything else, inconclusive. Yeah. After the incident, though, low-flying helicopters cruised over West Carlton on a regular basis. The helicopters were black, green, or maroon in color. They were unmarked and had darkly tinted windows. The Canadian military denies any involvement. Um, where the helicopters came from and what they were searching for remains a mystery. According to Major N.J. Patterson of the Canadian Forces, quote, the helicopters that are used in this area of Canada do not fly low in that area. They are not there are no requirements for our military helicopters to go and fly near private citizens' property like that. Well, tell it to all these people that saw them. I don't know. <laughs> Although I guess is they this were the guy with the mustache? So. Yes, this is the military guy with the mustache that holds up the fake document. Okay, this guy is hilarious. Did you name his mustache? I did. I don't know if this name means anything to you, but I named it the kids in the hall. <laughs> not just because he's Canadian, but also because it's very hard to believe that this is not a sketch. Like. <laughs> Him holding up this clearly fake document and being like, well, this isn't real. I was just like, no shit. What? <laughs> his mustache is very, like, thick and bushy and, like, comes to the corner of his lips and kind of an M. But there's just something about it that's, like, seems extremely Canadian, but also, like, not real. It like, I would swear that's a fake mustache on an actor. <laughs> it's weird that it's not. You know what? The... To, it crossed my mind to call that mustache fake because it's so silly. It's so silly. It's very silly. It's very hard to take him seriously. And he's talking very seriously about things that are clearly stupid. And I, it's just, there's sometimes there are things on Unsolved Mysteries where you go, this isn't a joke? Huh. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. That's one of those things where this is, you're go, this is a real dude? Didn't see that coming. So Keeping me UFO, on my toes. So this UFO researcher, Bob, says that the key to the entire incident lies with identifying who the guardian is. Does All it, right. though? Uh, the I like that they have an actual fucking eyewitness, and they're like, whatever. The key to this is figuring out who put their <laughs> fingerprint on a VHS. Why? I'm not sure. I mean, it, I guess the, if you think that the guardian was out there in the same place filming it i guess you know finding that person and might be important but how i don't know this is weird um but the supposed military document that arrived with the videotape raised serious questions about the guardian's credibility the papers huh. allege far-reaching conspiracies involving ufos and nuclear weapons uh, this Bob guy is skeptical. He says there are some questions immediately with regard to the authenticity of the documents that didn't look like typical government documents because they're not. Because uh, they're a cut and paste job, clearly. <laughs> clearly. Uh, military guy with the mustache, uh, Major Patterson, reviewed one of the documents and he's as he's holding it up, he says, quote, this document is clearly a fabrication. There are way too many errors in the document to make it authentic someone with very little effort could have come up with something a lot closer than this <laughs> so 
And that's just when I was like, this is real? This is really happening? <laughs> this was really on broadcast television? Uh, yeah. Huh. And no one's getting crushed by a giant blue crab sculpture right now? Interesting. <laughs> So, also hilarious is that included with the videotape are images, which Guardian claimed to show an alien being, but this Bob guy says, clearly this could have been someone dressed up in a costume. It is a blob. I'm not even sure you can say it's, like, a person in an alien costume. Like, it could be a reflection. It could be a bag. You can't tell what it is. You can't tell what it is. It's just, like, it could be a air in the film like what they're like but why would you have people dress up as aliens at this real uh ufo landing it's like wow we're really like we're deep in this now yeah so i don't know i believe that's it's very it's very actually a very frustrating segment the more that we talk about it i'm almost getting like tongue-tied because i'm just like but that makes no sense. It's just you just want to like yell that at the TV a lot. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, on one hand, I think that Diane's uh, her story is very credible, and yeah, it's also other people in the area saw these helicopters for days, which was unusual for them to see during this in this area. So like, clearly something was going on. But it's like, was it some sort of military exercise? Was it some sort of like, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, So there's a lot of unanswered questions and it's an interesting case. But this Guardian thing, I think is just a complete. I think it's a credible story. And then the segment focuses on the stupidest aspect of it. I mean, I guess if you think that this guardian person was out there and like the fact that Diane described what you can sort of see in the video without having seen the video, I guess that lends some like air of mystery to it, but there's no resolution. So I think it's really silly. And the fact that there, it came with these poorly forged government documents, like what is this? This just makes me want to go back in time and fake UFO footage. That's my reaction. It doesn't seem that hard, but... It seems incredibly easy. I feel like I can do it with a closet and like a toy that lights up and a camcorder. I feel like I can go to my local library, check out a camcorder, buy one VHS and some ink to put my fingerprint on it. And I uh, here. Okay. Update. I am the guardian. (laughs) I knew it. I, I confess. I confess. I made this tape. It's a fake. I fooled you all. I also made two crop circles. I'm sorry. I apologize for my youthful indiscretions. How dare you? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not really a fan of this segment. I feel like we don't, I don't know. It just doesn't focus on the right part. And I feel like people are being very silly talking about how the Guardian must be communicating with the UFO and I don't know. They're putting a lot of, of credence in this just like blurry tape that I, I'm not impressed by. So now we'll move on to the, now that I've ruined that segment, we can move on <laughs> to the second segment. This segment frustrated me. Oh yeah, it's not good. Oh, we also get a very unnecessary update now on Brenda Merrill. She was the woman who had to raise all of her siblings after her mom peaced out to start a restaurant. But guess what? We already saw that. But Unsolved Mysteries is... I don't know. Why do they do that? Just to torment me, personally? Probably. (laughs) 
So now we have a missing person case. Um, this takes place in Port Hunami, California. Back in September of 1992, a motorist came across a young woman who, according to the reenactment, is just like full on dancing on a median in a busy street. And so I honestly probably would have just kept going about my business. But <laughs> a motorist stopped and to see if the young woman was okay and if she needed help. She was not able to speak to this person and seemed not to be able to hear them. So he decided to take her to the police station. She didn't have any ID, and the only thing on her was a bank receipt from San Diego, which is 200 miles away. The police didn't have any reason to keep her, so they released her, but ended up picking her up a later. Ugh, but ended up picking her up again later that day when she was once again found dancing in a busy street, and people were worried that she was going to get hit by a car. So at this point, she was placed with a women's shelter. And a communication specialist named Chris Barrows came in in the hopes of finding out her name and age and if they were dealing with a minor or an adult. Um, so she sort of indicated that she couldn't hear them and wasn't able to speak to them. Um, but she also didn't know how to write and didn't have training in formal American sign language. But she mimed out the letters of her name with her hands. So and then they would like write down like, oh, are you saying L? Are you saying you? So she responded to the name Luxie. But very frustratingly, apparently they decided to call her Lucy. Unsolved Mysteries says for convenience. It's not like she said my name is super califragilistic. <laughs> it's Lexi yeah. or Lucy. How is it more convenient to like whitewash her name? I swear they were just like, oh, that's not a name. Even though she was like responded and was apparently delighted that they figured out her name was Lexi. Like she responded to that and they were like, great, we're going to call you Lucy. Absolutely fucking not. What? So anyway. Clearly not her even, name. <laughs> even when you look this up on Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, it's under Lucy. Okay, cool. And then she also mimed that she was 23 years old. She also mimed out a story that she came on an airplane and she had a baby with her, but the baby was taken and then she was left behind. Um, the shelter said that she had clearly been in an previously been in an environment where she was cared for she was well groomed she had grooming habits um she didn't know how to prepare food but she did understand to like come to meals and like eat with everybody else and she understood like how to function and live with other people in the shelter she just couldn't like completely take care of herself so they had aired this segment in hopes of finding out where she had been living before and if she had any family or anyone that knew her Unfortunately, this has a really fucking depressing update. Yeah. Um, which is that shortly after airing the story, she left the shelter and was just gone. And they were just like, well, we hope she's okay. Right. I mean, she's an adult. They're not like, it's not a facility. Like, they couldn't. Keep right. Her. They weren't I mean, holding her there. I mean, yeah. But yeah. So, so she, she left in um, December of 1993. Apparently, this is according to Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, and I don't know where they're getting this information, but they claimed that she had had meth on her at the time that she was found, and that it had been determined that she could actually hear, but had the mental age of a nine-year-old. I, I have think no idea. If she idea. had meth on her, the police would have let her go. That doesn't. Sa- that's why I'm like, this doesn't sound accurate, and I don't know where they got that information. That, I don't. That's dubious at best. The, someone with the mental age of a nine-year-old that also knows how to buy meth. I didn't know how to do that when I was nine. Okay. 
Um, so yeah, she had vanished again. According to some people, as of 2014, she was homeless and living in Santa Paula, California. That she communicates with grunts and hand gestures and can be seen walking around town with a stroller full of junk. How do we know it's the same person? I have no fucking clue. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's so silly. Okay. That's the only information that we have. And I find this incredibly sad and incredibly demeaning. And I have no idea why they wouldn't call her the name that she wanted to be called. I also feel like they just went, oh, she doesn't know English or Spanish. Then she doesn't know how to communicate. As if there's not like other languages. It's not clear to me if they even attempted to find out if she knew a different language. I don't think so. ESL is not the only sign language. How do we know that she... They they said that her name could have had Latin origins. So why are we just assuming? I don't know. It's very demeaning. It's very ableist, but also just like fucking dismissive and patronizing at the same time. Like Samantha said that they were talking about her like she was a dog. And it's true. It's like, we found this lost puppy. Like, she seems to, she came from a good home. She was well-groomed. Like, it's weird. The woman at one point says she was well-kept. Like, it really sounded it's like gross. they were talking about it's they gross. found a stray dog. I don't know. I hated it. So yeah, it's she pretty bad. And fucking found somewhere she was like, to be. peace out. I'm going to find people who actually call me by my name. You guys suck. I saw people on the internet speculating both that maybe she doesn't speak Spanish. She spoke Basque. Or that maybe she spoke one of the many, many languages indigenous to this country that people always seem to forget about. Um very possible we have no idea i don't feel like yeah that they tried other types of sign language or even just like other languages it seems like they were i don't know if impatient is the right word but they sort of were like well this is a lost cause and i don't i don't know that that was really true but i hope she's okay yeah god damn it I, i i segments like this are so frustrating seeing these people that just society has given up on and it's like wow we've only gotten worse at that so that's great what a lovely country and then i just salute the flag for like an hour over and over again (laughs) yeah it's not it's not a good segment not a good segment i wish the bex to luxie wherever she is all right now you have a, a fucking depressing thing to talk about samantha good for you sure do this is a it's so bad it's so depressing it's so grim and i hate it so much okay i got that out i feel a tiny bit better so at 8 p.m on the night of february 12 1988 a friend dropped 27 year old geraldine george off at her apartment complex in talladega alabama she went to the home of her neighbor janice morris and picked up her children janice uh and her boyfriend were good friends with geraldine they watched her children while she was at work um, Geraldine sent them back to her apartment and then had a brief conversation with Janice. After that, she walked back to her apartment, but when she entered, she found her estranged, abusive, and stalker husband, Larry, inside, talking to Oh, Larry. Larry is a dirtbag. He was also described as a survivalist, which I feel like wasn't like as mainstream back then as like we know they are now, but this is that type of guy. Um, He was a... a- an 80s prepper. That's scarier than a prepper now. Kind of is. He, he was like really dedicated to it. He was like figuring out how to do that like totally on his own. 
with like maybe oh. weird magazines. He was on just like a newsletter mailing list. Gross, oh, Larry. Sinister. Okay, Larry was a former soldier who had been married to Geraldine for several years. That night, he broke a restraining order and arrived at her apartment. They no! Argued- Sorry! <laughs> Liz is just going to continually un- boo Larry. <laughs> I'm unhinged. I hate this! It made me so angry to watch. Um, so Geraldine tried to get him to leave the house, but he brandished a gun. She then told her daughter to run upstairs and call her grandmother and Aww. tell her that Larry was in the house, but he followed her up and pulled the phone cord out of the wall. This is just horrible for these children. It's just like an absolute fucking horror movie nightmare. I know. Geraldine rushed next door to Janice's apartment. Janice was on the phone with her mother, and she Geraldine started to scream that uh, asking Janice to call the police because Larry had a gun. Um, but she was on the phone with her mother and she kind of had trouble hearing and like understanding what Geraldine was saying. So she just told her mother that she was going to call her back and figure out what was going on. Um, and her mom is interviewed for Unsolved Mysteries. This is the last time that she heard from her daughter, which is horrible. It's because so sad. After she hung up, Larry barged in. He shot Janice in the chest um, then he shot Geraldine while Janice's children watched from the couch. And then finally, he shot Janice's boyfriend while Ralph Swain in the back of the head and fled. The reenactment of this is brutal. Like, the the boyfriend hears this commotion downstairs. He comes running down the stairs, realizes what's happening, tries to turn around and run back up the stairs and just gets shot in the back of the head. It's it's horrible. And then, like, at one point, these two little children are, like, cowering on the couch while Geraldine is, like, on the floor see the nearby. Whole thing? Yeah. Oh, uh, I say. Sad. So, police and paramedics arrived and pronounced Janice dead at the scene. Ralph died in the hospital, and Geraldine survived, but is permanently paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, the next day, Larry's car was found abandoned in the forest, six miles from the murder scene. He had tried to conceal it by placing branches over it, but it was clearly <laughs> He's like, this will work forever. <laughs> I saw it in my survivalist newsletter. They also found a campsite nearby, and they found his personal belongings in and around the car. It appeared that he had been living in it for several days prior to the murder. A notebook found suggested that he had been stalking Geraldine for several weeks. The I hate this guy so much. Clothing that he was wearing the night um, was that that night was also recovered. Sometime after the murders, Larry visited his sister in southern alabama he also spent time in in the florida panhandle area where he attended truck driving school some more of his belongings were found near the railroad tracks in roanoke virginia the last reported sighting of him was in wilmington delaware in june 1990 and he remained at large at the time of the broadcast so the result is that he is captured after the yay was weird I really, a viewer spotted Larry fishing along the banks of the Christina River in Wilmington, Delaware. Three days later, two detectives went undercover and began talking with him about fishing. When he went, <laughs> he's like, "Oh God, I made some new friends." When he finally, went sh- when he went to show them his fishing poles, one identified himself as a police officer, and at this point, a struggle ensued between them and Larry. They eventually uh, threw him in the river. And as he tried to flee downstream, they were able to grab him. 
They threw him in the river? That's what Unsolved Mysteries Wiki said. I Why? From, from the episode that in the struggle he ended up in the river, but Unsolved Mysteries Wiki says that they threw him in the river. I don't know. That's very strange. Take that, dirtbag. <laughs> yeah, I... Went to investigate Larry's campsite. They found a makeshift bunker. It had a generator, heater, television, and stove. They also found several weapons, including a spear gun and a sawed-off shotgun. Uh, what a loon! Them, this led them to believe that he would resist arrest if he was found there. On April 27, 1994, he was extradited to Alabama to face murder and attempted murder charges. He was later convicted of capital murder and attempted murder and sentenced to death by the electric care chair. Uh, to this day, he remains on death row. So, oh, really? Hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, this one was brutal. It's brutal. Not really recommended, honestly. I'm gl- viewer- I, do, you, do you think viewer tips helped catch him, or they just ended up catching him? I think they did, because he was spotted by the viewer well, that's at good. that like, fishing area, and that's why the detectives knew to go to that, because that's where he was essentially living, was in the in the woods by the spot where he was fishing. Someone saw him there, and that's um, how the detectives He was making his there. own little Animal Crossing island, and they yeah. tried to talk to him about fishing. <laughs> Okay, so I had a mustache from this segment, too. It's from the update. There was a Detective Bruce who had a mustache. Oh, is that the guy that said that this murder was stupid? I forgot to mention that. (laughs) No. That guy didn't have a mustache. He just has gigantic nerd glasses. The biggest (laughs) nerd glasses you've ever seen. And he does say an iconic Unsolved Mysteries line, this murder was stupid. Which his (laughs) point was that the other people that he that he shoots he didn't even know they were just the neighbors of his ex-wife he didn't have a beef with them at all she just ran into their apartment and he ended up killing them and he didn't even know them so i mean are all murders stupid yes but that does seem especially pointless i suppose but that i do i did take a little screenshot that's on our instagram and such of that that guy with the closed captioning this murder was stupid (laughs) anyway Good, great moment in Unsolved Mysteries history. Oh, uh, no. In the uh, blah, 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 update, one of the officers involved in the arrest was named Bruce. And he had a, he had a neat little mustache, which does sort of look like two tadpoles kissing. <laughs> you know, if you can pick, they're like kissing and like right above the top of the lip. But I sort of feel, so I called it the tadpole makeout. And I was like, have I called one that before? I can't even remember it. So it might be tadpole makeout too, the reckoning. Because if you've watched a lot of bad <laughs> horror movies, sequels are always called The Reckoning. Is Ted so, making out a horror? No, but I just feel like that's like a go-to sequel title. So this would be Tadpole Makeout 2, colon, The Reckoning. The Reckoning. That's amazing. Now I want to see like a horror movie poster, but it's for Tadpole Makeout 2, <laughs> The Reckoning. Well, maybe the tadpoles um, are more parasitic. They like Ooh, okay. They the like tadpole, yeah. The tadpole's making out with you. Yeah, it's like a leech. It's like Ew. it's like sucks out your blood or something. Gross. Yeah, that would be horrible. Yeah, right. I I hate anything like parasitic. Yeah, I mean, right. I does anybody like it? But I feel like I have a very strong aversion to that. So that would be a movie I would not want to watch. Anything no. that's about a, like, yeah, like a leech or. I don't know. Is there? A, there's probably a horror movie about like a, a tick. I, I wouldn't watch, ugh, watch that. Ugh. Disgusting. 
Uh, okay, so now we're on to a lost love where Eugene Price is seeking his long-lost siblings after his family was torn apart by divorce. He also has a mustache, and it is very lightly colored. It's, like, literally the color of straw, and I am not comfortable with it. You can it barely looks, see it. <laughs> it looks like if you're, you know, if you, like, let your grass grow too long and it starts to, like, seed and then is maybe, like, you know, is yellow. Yeah, like my grass right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not saying how I know that grass will do that, but that's what the vibe I get from his mustache. Not a fan. I, I'm sorry, Eugene. You seem like a nice dude, but I am not kissing that face because that is going to scratch me the fuck up. Even a tadpole would not make out with that face. <laughs> yes. Well, guess what I called this mustache? Uh, the what? straw man to the reckoning. <laughs> oh, okay. The reckoning. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure I've already called the mustache the straw man as well. Probably. So then you just put the reckoning at the end. And then for three, you put a, the electric boogaloo. So if I, <laughs> when I get to three, uh, straw man three, it'll be colon electric boogaloo. Okay. Sure. So now in this segment, we have Robert Stack sitting on a public bench because they've obviously run out of locations for shots. So he's just like <laughs> literally sitting in a park somewhere or something. Um, but he's telling us the story of spring 1953 in New York City. Harley Price, who apparently his nickname was Smokey. Don't worry, we never hear that again. Was a <laughs> Navy veteran turned roofer. And he was dating his coworker's daughter, Ronnie, who was just 16. The problem was that she did not know that Harley was a complete dirtbag and was already married and had a child. Um, So we hear from Ronnie and she tells us that she was just a stupid 16-year-old kid. And it's like, well, that's not really on you, Ronnie. That's not on this dirtbag. Really. <laughs> that's, that's Smokey's problem. That he's out picking up his co-worker's 16-year-old daughters when he should be at home with his wife and his kid. But apparently she was unhappy at home and she was looking for a way out and um, Smokey. <laughs> I don't know why I find that hilarious. Harley just, you know, he was very handsome and charming. The guy that they got to play him in their reenactments really was handsome. And um, that just, you know, seemed like a way out. But so within a year, she had given birth to their oldest son, Dean. And only 10 months later, she gives birth to Eugene, who is the person focused on in this segment um only then did harley and ronnie get married over the next six years they had three girls debbie terry and shelly the family settled settled in wyanette michigan um but unfortunately harley's drinking became a problem and was causing a lot of fear and tension in their family um that they were worried about him coming home drunk and throwing things and whatever um we hear from eugene that um he was nice when he wasn't drinking but honestly i see absolutely no evidence of that <laughs> no. uh considering he was already like stepping out on his wife and uh, whatever we'll hear some more shit about him and he just messed up shit and i yeah, can't believe he's a drunk 100 of the time so <laughs> <laughs> that would be impressive for example sometimes he would drive his kids to the bar and then just lock them in the car for hours while he went drinking i don't know yeah. why he couldn't leave them at home maybe it was like his turn to watch the kids and his wife was at work they don't really say why he would do this but it's barbaric and weird I assume um, they work opposite shifts, maybe, and so... Yeah, so he's like, well, while I'm in here uh, at drinking and probably hitting on other women, you kids, you numerous children can just sit in a locked vehicle in a bar parking lot. In, like, and the middle of winter? 
Yeah, Ronnie once actually went looking for them when he didn't come home and found her children like all curled up in the cold in the car, just sitting in the car while her husband was still inside drinking. Um, another example of him being a dirtbag was that he would often make his kids play a cruel game where they would have to choose which parent they would live with if the couple split up. Yeah, this is where, fucked up. Where he'd be like, oh yeah, you want to live with me? You want to live with me or your mom? <laughs> and this was supposed to like prove to Ronnie that the kids liked him, except that they were just too scared to say that they would obviously live with their mother, not their deranged dad. Um, but they didn't want to get spanked or worse, so they would always be like, with you, dad. And then he'd be like, see? As if that proves fucking anything. Okay. In 1963, they had a new baby, Jimmy, but unfortunately he was born with a heart defect, so he had to have surgeries on a pretty regular basis. He had his first surgery at three months, and that was followed by numerous ones over the years it sounded like he would be home for maybe a couple days and then go have to have another surgery at first so that was obviously very stressful and then when it just seemed like things couldn't get any worse their house was literally struck by lightning and burned down so while everybody in the family got out and was okay it did destroy like all of their earthly possessions this was apparently the final straw for ronnie who was tired of harley's abusive behavior and just fled to stay with a friend in New York, but it did mean that she also like gave up a contact with her children. When she contacted social services, they informed her that in order to have custody of children, she would have to go back to her husband. And she's like, yeah, no, he will literally murder me. And they were kind of like, what you going to do? I hate this. (laughs) So the younger children ended up going to an orphanage while you do while Eugene and Dean, which is hard to say, stayed with the dad, Harley. They only got to visit their sisters at the orphanage on one occasion, and apparently it wasn't even for that long. <laughs> like, finally, they convinced their dad to, like, drive them out to the orphanage, wherever it was. And they, like, sat and talked about, like, how they could get the family back together and how everything was going to be okay. And then Harley, like, comes in and is like, yeah, it's time to go. And so they just have to leave with their dad, and they never see their sisters again. A few months later, Dean and Eugene were placed in foster care. So they weren't even with their dad. I don't understand why Ronnie couldn't get custody of any of these children. Because obviously, Harley is not fit to be a parent. So that's not explained. no sense to me. They say, you can't have your children unless you go back with him. But we're still going to take them away. But instead of giving them to you, we're going to put them in foster care and send them to an orphanage. I think part of the problem was that she was no longer in the state because she went to go stay with a friend in New York. But it seems like that's something that could have been worked out other than this. I would Um, think so. (laughs) This is a bad solution. So um, Eugene moved around a lot in foster care. He eventually served in the army, got married, and started a family. In 1971, him and Dean were... It sounds like he was always in contact with his brother, Dean, which is good. Um, And then in 71, both of them were reunited with their mother, Ronnie. And I guess they were still in contact with their dad. And 12 years later, he died. So don't worry about him. He's dead. Um, So he was on the show seeking his three sisters and also the youngest kid, his brother, Jimmy. Fortunately, so at this point, I was crying because this is just so sad to me that these kids were split up for like, really? What reason? Why couldn't they go stay with their mom? I don't know. But anyway, the good news is that Sherry saw the broadcast. 
So she knew that Eugene was looking for her. And actually, this is also kind of good news, that Sherry, Terry, and Debbie had all been adopted by the same family. So they were not split up. They were able to, like, grow up together and have that family bond. And they had actually been searching for their brothers this whole time, too, and just, you know, Eugene found them first. So we get to see their reunion when they're reunited for the first time in 29 years. And obviously, it's just all of them bawling at this, like, restaurant for some reason. That they've completely taken over because also all of them have families and all of them have children. So it's it's just like huge family, massive gathering of people where it's like, oh, I'm your brother. I hear you haven't seen in 29 years. And also here's my wife and here's my daughter and here's my other daughter. It was just like must have been so overwhelming. The bad news is that Jimmy had died of heart disease in 1973. So they didn't get to see him again. Um, And then I just wrote, oh, my God, with everyone's kids, there are so many people in this restaurant. Um, the only really other update to this is that she, uh, that Ronnie has since passed away in 2003. But I was happy to learn that the sisters got to stay together and the brothers at least had each other. I mean, obviously, they wanted to all be together, but ugh. Ugh. it's very moving. Yeah, okay. that one was frustrating. <laughs> frustrating, but it has a happy ending. So it has a happy ending. It's just like Harley... Was his, like, goal in life to be, like, the worst dad ever? Because, like, maybe he won. Like... I think so. I what think a notorious so. I mean, dirtbag. Yeah. He's- I'm just gonna drive to the bar and lock my kids in the car in the cold while I get drunk and then drive them home. Father of the year. Okay. That is that episode. <laughs> it comes to an end. It's been... It's <sighs> quite a... It's quite a roller coaster. this one. It was. It was. Uh, should we rate it? I think we have to by law. All right, mysteriousness. Okay, not very mysterious. No, I, I wish we knew yeah. what happened to Luxie, but I'm also just hoping she like pieced out and I don't even just like went to a better shelter. Yeah. Um, that's kind of mysterious. Everything else, not really. the I mean, UFO thing is too is too frustrating to me to right. be mysterious. And we know who we know who committed that stupid murder. Yeah, the the reenactment. Whatever. Yeah, it's not mysterious. So actually, you know what? Thumbs down. Thumbs down. And the reenactments. I like the reenactments of that guy being like a survivalist in the woods. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I but they're not great, are they? Overall, the ones with Luxie are just. (laughs) There's a lot of frustration in this episode, and then I just cried about lost loves. So I don't know. (laughs) True. I'm gonna feel like I say thumbs down actually for reenactments. Luxie like dancing in the street I don't know I'm sure they meant well but it's also just hot garbage that's been left out on a summer day it kind of is one one high point though I think is the fashion there was a lot of fashion oh boy yeah there's some there's some good looks uh particularly when the family reunites you just get like a like an a, a mall fashion show yep like lady <laughs> mullets and oversized stripy shirts and mm-hmm. it's just a, it's a concophony there's a lot going on yes so i thought that was a, a positive thumbs up but, uh... actually also for robert stack i like him caressing a vhs for some reason it's just like <laughs> ho- so hilariously dated where he's like have you ever seen one of these it's a videotape <laughs> and you go yes robert stack thank you it's like if you've ever had I'm going to be kind of mean, but if you've ever had, like, a sort of older person, like, show you how an iPhone works, and you're like, yeah, I get it. Because it's just, like, 
blowing their mind, right? Like they can't imagine that they are alive in the time where this technology exists. And you're kind of like, I'm spoiled. I'm not that impressed. But I feel like that is Robert Stack with this videotape. Like, guess what? We got it on video. Cutting edge technology. <laughs> and then I mean, it sitting- was the first time it was aired on broadcast TV. Yeah. Well, whew. yeah, no, no other network wanted it. Let me tell you. It was not a bidding war for that grainy footage. Um, so I'm going to actually give him a thumbs up. Also him just like on a park bench because they were like, look, just there is fine. Where do where are we shooting this introduction? Like literally right there. Okay, let's do it. Let's get this over with. Thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs up for Robert Stack using some PTO later that day. But then the question is, Samantha, how are we going to rate this episode out of five Robert Stacks? Uh, I don't know, because I found this episode really frustrating at times, but I like a UFO mystery. Uh, so that was good. And The Lost Love has a happy ending and we got to see the reunion, which is always great. So I'm like really torn on this episode. It's a mixed bag for sure. I feel like this is a dilemma I fall into rating things for Goodreads as well, where I was like, well, I liked parts of it, but I also hated parts of it. Is that a yeah. three? cancel it out i don't know yeah and then i end up giving it a three and then i'm like but that seems sort of generous but i think i give this a three i feel like we're in the same the same maybe it's a two and a half that's like inching up to a three but it's not not worth watching it's just you know what it's worth watching but it's maybe not worth talking about (laughs) (laughs) if you're like Binging. Ah, you don't have to skip this yeah, one but yeah like, you're probably the more not gonna... I think about it the less i like it but if i had just watched it fine passable i'm glad we got something paranormal i'm yeah. glad that family got you reunited i hate larry you know pretty pretty standard unsolved mysteries fair yeah <sighs> that's where we're at so i guess a three <laughs> sure why not? yeah yep Three Robert Stacks out of... See, if it doesn't have... Okay, I'm going to say two and a half Robert <laughs> I don't know! I okay, don't know what to do! I'll give it a three, you give it a two and a half. <laughs> and there we go. It is remarkable how often we agree, actually, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we do. But I mean, as you pointed out recently on our social media, we hate the same things. I, it occurred to me that Samantha and I don't necessarily like the same things, but that's not important. Because we hate the same things. <laughs> and that is really the the bond. That's really what brings us together. Where I can be like, Samantha, look at this. Look at how much this fucking sucks. And I know that she's going to be like, yeah, that's terrible. I hate it too. It's really true. And then I just feel understood, right? So that's like, you know, somehow Samantha puts up with me, but I think... Really, that's that's the key. That's what you need in a relationship. Can you hate. do you hate the same things? You know what? Hate really brings friends, <laughs> brings people together. Really strong so. friendships are built on hate, is what we're learning you in 2020. Yeah. Where you go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Where you go, wow, that is terrible. And then you go, oh, I wish I wasn't alive. And then you go, same. That's a friendship. That's a friendship right there. But it is time for recommendations. I wanted to give an, uh, uh recommendations update first oh okay because it might have been a whole almost two years since i recommended the clothing brand fox blood 
which is a small clothing company, clothing made in California, that is basically all black all the time. <laughs> and I had recommended it because I bought this like velvety robe with a jack lantern on it. And I mean, who doesn't need that? We all do. Of course. But I've I've ordered a couple things from them since that I've also really enjoyed. So I just wanted to like amend my recommendation to be like, I bought these more like normal clothing things. Like I bought just a black dress. Like a black, everyday, very comfortable, very wearable dress. Yes, it has pockets. Yes, it's cut great. I just feel like the quality of the clothing is actually like really pretty good. So it's not the cheapest clothing. I feel like most stuff is around the like mm, like sixty dollar price point, which I would consider real money. But I think, I think you do get that quality. Nice. Like I think it is worth the money. So I really like that dress that I got, and then I recently got. I guess it's like a romper. They call it a a bike shorts cat suit, but it's basically like bike shorts and a tank top that are attached. And it's the most convenient fucking thing. Like I almost kind of wonder how I did not have this in my life earlier because then you just like throw something over it and you're done. I don't know. It's so practical and so good. I'm all about comfort and convenience in my clothes these days. I mean, yeah, particularly now. I was like, yes, I need this because either I'll just like lie around the house in it, right? Because it's comfortable as hell. Or if I'm trying to look nice, then you like put something like sheer over it. And it's basically acting like a slip, but you don't have to worry about your thighs rubbing together. I It's it's really, it's, I, how did I live without it? No <laughs> idea. So I would recommend other stuff from them. I feel like. It's, and it's cool. It's made in the U.S. And it seems like it's all pretty well made. So that was my update to that. My new recommendation was I wanted to recommend. I found this on Instagram. I think just because I spend too much time on Instagram. <laughs> I think it was recommended to me. I'm not really sure. But it's a maker called Sugar Bombing that does like Sanrio, like Hello Kitty mashup with yes. uh, like Fuck the Police stuff or like Black Lives Matter stuff. Was this a niche I knew I needed? No. This was not a hole I knew was in my heart. But as soon as I saw this, I went, I need this. I need this in my life. I've been looking for this and I didn't even know. Because the illustrations are so spot on. Like, they look so much like real Hello Kitty shit, except Hello Kitty is, like, holding a Molotov cocktail by a burning <laughs> Minneapolis police car, and the, like, Minneapolis police car is, like, in the Hello Kitty style. It's and it's specifically really Minneapolis Police Department, which I think is amazing. So I ordered a bunch of stickers from them after finding this. They have a sticker sheet that's a benefit for Black Lives Matter. I got that. I got their sticker zine, which is just like a little sticker book that has like pages of stickers in it. And I got another one that's like all cops are bastards or something. Something along those lines. I think and you they have pictures of it on our Twitter for sure. If you want to see yeah. sort of what, what you your haul. Right, because I was like, where's a Republican? I want them to know that I bought these stickers with unemployment money. <laughs> and you know what? No one said anything. So guess I didn't find a Republican. Um, but the quality of these items is like really pretty darn good. It really seems like a Sanrio thing that's just <laughs> Hello Kitty with a Molotov cocktail, which makes me insanely happy. And really, I cannot tell you how much I love stickers. I think this is something I had repressed about myself for a long time because i am a grown-ass adult but god damn do i do they make me happy 
Okay, I don't know. I need to know where you put your stickers, though, because this is my problem. I love stickers, but I buy them, and then I'm, like, too nervous to, like, commit to sticking them on something. (laughs) I totally understand. So this is what's happened in quarantine. I, years ago, bought just a white Ikea desk that mostly, honestly, just has crap on it most of the time. But it's supposed to be where I, like, paint and make stuff, in theory. Um, And just being stuck in the house all the time, I was like, I'm so sick of looking at this white stupid ikea desk so i have been covering it in stickers stickers that i've hoarded for years and years like you know band stickers and yeah actual hello kitty stickers and just whatever my sticker hoard has is now (laughs) completely covering one side of this desk which means that i look at them all the time and it's great great decorating tip right there right. i like it I like. if you have something plain you don't really like have you considered covering it in stickers <laughs> like completely covering it like a like a club bathroom where's that hgtv show you could host it <laughs> yeah my show i think i wanted to call my show you're welcome but then someone reminded me that's what um because i wanted it to be like people came home to their house and they're like oh my god liz you just put lawn flamingos everywhere and i go you're welcome <laughs> but someone pointed out that that was what John Hodgman's segment on The Daily Show used to be called. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is absolutely where I got that I- that idea. <laughs> he would just give people, like, unnecessary information and then be like, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Okay. So, yeah, cover things in stickers, possibly from sugar bombing, uh, which is based in Mexico. And every time I've, like, posted on social media about it, they've been like, oh, thank you so much. They're, like, so sweet. And I was like, don't worry. I love these Hello Kitty throwing them all down cocktail stickers. I will give you all the free press you want. They're pretty amazing. They're pretty great. All right. I have a recommendation that sort of also came from Instagram and also came from you. Um, oh. This is a shop that, and I wasn't going to recommend. Well, okay. So I was going to recommend this last week because the item in particular that I'm recommending was supposed to be in stock again on Friday. But of course, we skipped recording an episode. So oh, then yeah. I was like, oh, this can't be my recommendation. But then I was looking at their Instagram today. And unfortunately for them, but maybe fortunately for you, if you want to get your hands on this item, their restock was like delayed in transit the shipping probably covid related their their ship they had a shipping issue so they're as of today this is the weekend uh saturday so this is a pair of slippers that you recommended to me i'm recommending the whole shop really this is um m and sprout on etsy and instagram em and sprout like sprout um Liz sent me this link to these fuzzy house slippers that are bright orange jack-o'-lantern. Oh, I bought them also. Yeah, yeah. We both bought a pair. They're so soft and cozy and just like so extra, this bright neon orange. They're very orange. They're the orangest thing I've ever looked at. It's like high-vis orange. Like if you were like on a construction site and you were wearing yes. a vest, like that's this orange. But I, they're so comfortable. I've been wearing them nonstop. It's like my new work shoes now since I'm working from home. Um, I love them. And actually everything in their shop is adorable. They have stickers and pins most of it's spooky i'm looking at some alien earrings right now i actually bought a, uh, a sweatshirt from them uh this weekend i bought this like cute like gray hoodie with these little bats on them oh yeah i know exactly what you're talking about 
they have like also these jack-o'-lantern shoes that you can buy anyway the slippers were supposed to be back in stock last friday and i was like oh perfect if we record an episode i'll recommend them and then the episode will come out on thursday people might actually be able to get their hands on them but they according to their instagram the slippers were delayed in transit and there's no date for when they'll be back in stock but it doesn't seem like it's going to be like super soon so keep your eye again there in you can probably follow their instagram because i'm getting a lot of updates from there um it is M and Sprout on Instagram. Um, and if you want to maybe get some of these for yourself, you could keep an eye on there. And for updates, it's just everything is so... I love cute, spooky Halloween things. Oh, and I same. feel like I always buy a lot of Halloween decor and things around this year. But I feel like I may even... like Not being able to go to the stores may actually drive me to like buy more Halloween shit this year. I don't know. Because I'm already possible. starting and it's not even August yet. Uh, this is so. supposed to be our Halloween prep season before our busy social season, but that's not going to happen this year. Right. So it's a good thing we really lived it up, particularly the past two years, where we had sort of a, a unsustainable level of hecti- Halloween activity. <laughs> we did a lot of Halloween activities last we were, year. <laughs> we were doing like three things a week. It's like, where really I was like, okay, good thing Christmas is coming. I got to slow down, <laughs> right? Um. So yeah, that's not going to happen this year. So we're going to have to think of some other ways to celebrate, which is probably just spending money. I mean, I crafting, so. maybe baking, but honestly, you can watch some movies, but you should watch those movies wearing these house slippers because they're very soft and comfortable. They're really and they're like slides, so they don't cover your toes, which for some reason I like. Well, I like it because my feet don't get too hot then. Like even in the yeah. winter, wearing like, I like to wear slippers, but Wearing ones that completely cover my feet, my feet get sweaty, and then the slippers get gross. Like these ones yeah. are perfect because they're soft. They have like a rubber bottom, um, and they're they're like warm enough, but not too warm. I don't know. I highly recommend. And they're a little silly because they're bright orange, but I kind of love that about them. Uh, <laughs> I like that we ordered these in the summer. Like, yep, need these jack lantern slippers. <laughs> I mean, obviously I did, but even you did. So that's great. This maker, Emin Sprout, is like an OG Etsy person. They've been on Etsy forever and ever. Like, I don't know. It seems like decades at this point. Um, So I've ordered a few different things from them over the years, and they've all been really good. Like, just really good quality, super cute. Like, I've given stuff as gifts. People have loved it. So that's a good, that's a solid recommendation. Their stuff they seem is very, adorable. Yeah, I think they're, you know, they have good stuff, and I think they're very reliable and and all that. I had a shirt from them that had bats on it years ago, and I got so many compliments on that shirt. My bat they t-shirt. have a shirt that has a haunted house on it with little yeah, ghosts so coming cute. out. I can't believe I don't have that yet. Well, so I was really torn between the bat sweatshirt and the haunted house sweatshirt and what got i don't like wearing hoodies with hoods i don't know why i just never have and I mean, does anyone actually put that hood on no I don't think only so. m&m so i don't most, think so but for some reason the, time the, hood, the hood just dangling there for some reason i just don't like that and i own hoodies that i never wear and so i was like okay well I'm going to get the ghost, which the ghost is adorable, um, but I'm going to like keep an eye on their Etsy to see if they get a, a hoodless haunted house hoodie because they're so cute. Their stuff is super cute. And yeah, I love these slippers. Yeah, they're great. I don't know how you get something like that made, but I'm super impressed. I think they're really good. Yeah. Agreed. Is that everything that we have for today, ladies and gentlemen, of the Werewolf Smackdown book club? I think so. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and enemies, I mean, 
Um, yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up. So Let's we want your five-star reviews. We want them. Give them to us. Um, <laughs> if you wanted to get in touch with us, maybe, okay, you have till literally the end of July. I don't even know if this is going to come out. You might already be too late to get something in for the zine. So you would email that to perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. Um, what else? What else? The social medias. You can follow us. Oh, right. Perhaps it's you. We have a Facebook group. We have two. We also have a Facebook spinoff group if you're playing Animal Crossing. Uh, you want to get some good turnip prices. You want to join that group. You can just search groups for perhaps it's you. You'll find them. Um, yeah, if you want to play, you want other people to play the game with and you want them to like not be creeps. Guess what? We found those people. They're in that group. So you kind of have like go to each other's islands. Everybody has like such cool islands, way cooler than mine. And I'm super jealous. Well, you just got plenty to do. And (laughs) I got, I got my work. I got my work cut out for me on Fort robot. That's the name of my Island. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, we have a website. Perhaps it's you.com. Uh, you can get all our episodes there. There's our recommendations. There's a contact form, whatever. Give us some money on Patreon if you want to talk about the reboot, the Unsolved Mysteries reboot. We This week, it might even be out by the time you're listening to this episode, we are discussing episodes one and two of the reboot. And if you haven't already listened to that, get a snack, settle in. It's long. It's a long episode. We had a lot to talk about. (laughs) It's as long as watching both of those episodes on Netflix. So if you just need to do that again, there you go. That is our Patreon content for the month and then we'll be doing obviously episodes maybe three and four four, maybe just depends how much we got to say we got to think about it uh and we'll you know take some patreon feedback from our patrons also if you want us to do two episodes at a time or is that a little much don't know we we need to hear from you we need your feedback so give us a dollar you can listen to that and also our entire back catalog of patreon episodes which there's, is so many a few point. of them so. and we got a really cool coloring sheet for our super mystery solvers which is the five dollar level this month they got listener aaron who's a designer made us a coloring sheet that's crimes in the past which is crafts and it's so cool and it's so i really cool. want to see everybody's when it's done Please post them in the group. I want to see because I think it's such a cool thing that I would not have been able to make. So thank you, Aaron. I think that's everything. If you want to email us only compliments and money, that's perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com or your spooky stories or your psychic dreams. Ooh, yes. Send us your psychic dream stories. Yes. Okay. I think that's everything. Keep barking, and if you're in the U.S., stay home. Don't go solve mysteries because there's, like, this pandemic you might not have heard about. <laughs> no one's talking about it, but you should probably stay home. Probably stay home. If you're somewhere safer, then I guess go out and solve mysteries, but also you could yeah. just, like, take a nap. Seems like a good idea to me. Yeah. Keep barking. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>